We got you stuck off the realness. The most infamous, you heard of us. Official podcast murderers. The show comes equipped with few points to share. Grown man ideas for all those who care and want to grow. So go ahead and download every single week with a brand new episode. You're not alone in this world, cousin. So we share information and honest discussion and keep repping the culture like we supposed to. They spread gossip, but they never come closer. I can hear it inside their tone. They talk about the industry, but never left their home. You get laced up with bullet points and such, plus empowering topics that they never would touch. You can put your whole network against the team, but Super Duty Tough Works the MVP. Most valuable podcast on MP3. Priceless info, but all of it's free. Huh. So take these words home and think them through. Super Duty Tough Work is coming at you. Now listening to Super Duty Tough Work with your host, Blueprint, raw and uncut, adult conversations, no shucking, no jiving, and no bullshit. Yeah, man. So yeah, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for those tuning in, this is my guy, Adam Walenta Illis, Adam Illis Walenta. The Illis is kind of for illustrator. Yeah. And the Illis MC ever. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's my guy, <laughs> man. I've been uh working with Adam Illis Walenta for quite a while. And uh he's a creative dude and does a lot of stuff. So I want to have him on the podcast today to uh just talk about his journey. He is a professional illustrator, you know. Uh he did go to school for it. He is also self-taught in many aspects of it. And he's um he's an entrepreneur as well he handles all of his business himself he's been uh employed at it for over 20 years you know and uh so we're gonna talk to him today i think there's a lot to be learned for the fellow artists who are listening to this whether you're an illustrator whether that be visual art or music um i think this will be uh some jewels in here so uh we will start at the beginning okay right Let's start with like your household and art. What do you remember about art early? I remember it being everywhere. You know, I, I, from an early age, I was able to see, you know, the art and everything. You know, my, my mother wanted to be an artist, but because she started a family, she never got the opportunity to pursue it. And my father loved music. So the album art was all over the place. Um, my mother was, you know, into, you know, books. So the, the book covers were everywhere. Um, and I just picked up a pen, you know, a crayon probably first, you know, and I always had that encouragement was there. So I was very fortunate in that aspect. Um, you know, this is, I, I have a drawing from when I was four years old that I still have. And it's on like this big, you know, piece of paper and it's, has dragons and all this stuff. And I, I recently dug it out and I've, I was also writing at that age. And I asked, I asked, I was like, did I really write this at that? Like in, at age four. Yeah. Wow. And, and you know, it's dated and everything and it's my handwriting, you know, as a young person. And, um, even my mother was like, wow, I guess you were always doing this. And, you know, it just, it was something that was natural and it was always there. And luckily it was encouraged as well. That's um, awesome. Do you, um, how many siblings do you have? Just one. I have a just sister. Yeah. Uh, is your sister artistically inclined as well? I remember I have a couple memories of her drawing, you know, along with me and a little bit later on, but she, it was never anything that she pursued or was interested in um, other than, you know, 
probably being supportive of what I do. Um, Are your um, uh, my father's creative too in, in in a storytelling aspect of it. He always comes up with ideas for like comic book stories and would always kick it with me about that. That's awesome. Um, especially later in life when I started publishing, you know, uh, comics. He'd be like, you should do a character like this. You know, he always has these ideas and these adventures and based on his life and his, his experiences. Was he stuff. into comic books as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. when, when he was in the military, he would always tell the story about, you know, comics were, you know, 10 cents, 15 cents. And they would just trade them, you know, back and forth. There was nothing else to do. You know, you're in the military, you're, you know, deployed or whatever. And, you know, they would just read comics and, and trade them back and forth. And. And I'm like, why didn't you keep them? Yo, son, where's my Archie comic? <laughs> where's my Fantastic Four number one? You yeah. Like, well, you had that? He like, got you rid actually, of all the number ones. He got rid of Yeah, he didn't, never kept anything. Uh, he, he wasn't a collector. Yeah. He just loved him, and he remembers the stories, and he remembers reading them. And uh, and he, when I started collecting comics, he'd be like, oh, yeah. He's like, you should get this. He's like, I read Doctor Strange, and I read Fantastic Four. And I remember when the Silver Surfer came out. And so I would hunt for you know the things that he did. And I, I always have this fantasy where looking for old comics and like, you know, sometimes people like put their signature on them or they'd write stuff on them. Like, I wonder if I'd ever find the comic that my dad like had, yeah. you know, like that would be so cool. Like if somehow, <laughs> you know, it came full circle and back, that's never happened. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even ha- know how it would be happen, but <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. To my, but, because not- it's probably, it could be out there. It you know, is out there somewhere. It's right, unless be. it got torn up and thrown away, which is always a possibility. But, you know, there, you know, there are people that sell, you know, because they grade comics. So, like, you know, a, a nine is a, a mint comic. Right? Yeah. There's no tens in reality. But, like, there's twos where the covers are all ripped up. And, like, people still, like, sl- put them in slabs wow. nowadays. And, and, and they're professionally graded. And I'm like, that's probably what my dad's comic would look like because probably like 20 people manhandled it and read it and folded it up and put it in their pockets and stuff. Yeah. So, so he would tell these stories and, and encourage the collecting aspect of, of comic books for me, um, as well as music and buying vinyl and having an appreciation for the artwork yeah. um, on these old like jazz records and rock records and stuff, especially from the 60s where they were. Oh, yeah, that was the era for artwork. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, 60s, it was amazing. Early, you know. Like mid 60s, early 70s album yeah. artwork was just insane yeah. even if it was photography it was amazing photography yeah um do you remember like i remember my first trip to the comic store by myself do you remember like what your age was when you were allowed to kind of go by yourself did you ever go yeah the f- first there was um the newsstand because they still oh, had the yeah. spinner racks and they'd have comic books on there and i remember the first time i walked to the comic to the to the corner store by myself and it wasn't really my corner was like kind of like an l so it wasn't too far away but it was at a distance and out of sight yeah and i can remember going and just spinning the rack around I'm like all right you know i have like a dollar you know a dollar fifty <laughs> you could do you a know? lot of damage for a dollar fifty yeah, those days when i first started collecting comics it w- they were 50 cents yeah so i could get four comics yeah you know for two dollars and 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 you know, be happy. Nowadays, you can't buy anything for $2. No, and it'll be short if you <laughs> right. could. It'll be like 15 and, pages. And I forget the age, but let's see. My sister's five years older than me. So, you know, when she, she started sneaking smoking, so yeah. I would get more money because she'd send me to the store to buy her cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> and back then, you know, I was probably 10 at that point. Yeah. You know, I think when I first started doing it, it was like, you know, I'd, I'd walk to the store like around eight or nine to the corner store. But then, you know, so when she was about 14, 15, I think she started probably smoking. She's like, go get, go get these for me. <laughs> you need to change, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and, and here's extra, don't tell. Hush money. Right. 
<laughs> right. And so I'm like, all right. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah, I remember catching the bus because there was none out here. So uh-huh. I had to catch the bus downtown and then the bus to East Main, which are two like 30 or 45 minute buses. I think I was in sixth grade. Yeah. But just that feeling of empowerment. My mom was finally like, look, I'm not taking you to the comic book store. Yeah. You here's some bus schedules. You figure out how to get there. That's and great. You go. And I remember Saturday morning, I was like, I'm going to go. I'm going to catch the bus by myself. Yeah. And just go. And there was a hobby store next to it. This was the D&D days. And, right. Sure, you sure. know, uh, Marvel role playing game yep. as well. So uh, that was that was like liberating back then. Yeah. You I know? bought that Marvel role playing game. I had no one to play with. I still no, got mine. Nobody else wanted. Well, yeah. I knew nobody else like that. Because yeah, you were on the outskirts then. It was like D and D, or you were not invited to the role playing. Yeah, sessions. nah. <laughs> and I never got into. I tried D and D, but I just never got into it. I mean, yeah, it was too creepy for me. I was like too positive for D and D and like wizards and spells and evil. I don't yeah, think I was ready for evil. Like, evil to me was Doctor Doom. Right. You know. Yeah. Magneto. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like. Yeah. One of the one of the main kind con- the the first comic book store I went to was a little too far away and we didn't have the bus route or maybe I just wasn't encouraged to to find the bus route, <laughs> but my mother would drive me. But a couple years, you know, as time went on, and she wouldn't take me because she was busy, or whatever. I just walked and it was a good eight ten miles. Yeah. You know, there and then back, and it was like nothing, you know, because I was excited to get there. And then when I bought what I had to get, I'd walk home. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So and I actually ended up getting a job there. I was I was around that was around eleven. Okay. And they were they saw me. They knew I I always came every week. And they were like, oh, you know, you you want to earn some money? I'm like, all right, you know, you could pay me in credit. You know, like yeah. And so I would you know I'd price the comics. I'd look in the big Overstreet price guide, and you know I'd find out what everything costs if the price went up the value. And I'd price it out for them. And then uh, I would also organize the comics. Yeah. And that's what I did. I never like handled the cash or anything. Obviously, you know, you're 11. a kid. Yeah. 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 I was 11. They weren't going to trust you with the cash. No. I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but it was cool. You know, I got to look at all the comics and read them. And, you know, basically I was working, you know, for free because if I was working for credit. But yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah. I haven't stopped working since. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, do you remember uh, when did like, the vision of writing comics kind of get into your head. Was that around initially or did that take time to develop? No, I, I was writing just books in general. I, ha- I actually have a, 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 on typewriter paper, I have illustrations that I did and then I would type the stories out. Yeah. And I have this story about this. It was basically like a Davy Crockett Indian story. So I was right. That was like around five years old, six years old. I was writing stories, just making them up, inspired by other stuff that I saw um, or read or, or watched. And um, so there was that seed was there. Once I went to college, you know, I thought I was just going to be an illustrator. And then, you know, I had worked in Marvel Comics and I just wanted to focus on illustrating and then something changed in me where I didn't want to do the superhero stuff. I wanted to do more, more humor okay. and alternative style, you know, type, you know, stories. So, and it just came like, all right, well, I have to do it myself. Yeah. So let me learn, you know, just keep putting stuff out. And you, and for me, I learned by doing. So, you know, you could read, you know, self-help books and stuff like that to get an idea. But for me, it was like, let me just jump in and start writing my own stories yeah. and illustrating them. So like, and so you were into like 
illustrating and the narrative part really early. Yeah. Not just drawing. Right. Really early. And for illustration, that kind of goes hand in hand because you have to be able to tell a story. Yeah. I mean, you know, painting and, and that form of artwork, you someone tells you what to do and you just do it. Yeah. But for illustration, you, I think you have to add a little bit of more of a narrative to it. So yeah. you have to be a storyteller. How, how so. common is that, though, um, to where the illustrators are also the storytellers in comics? Is that fairly? It's pretty routine? common. Yeah, okay. it's, it's not not as much because because with comics, you're on this super tight deadline. Yeah. You know, if it's a monthly book, you know, you basically have three weeks, you know, it, unless you're working way in advance, month, months in advance, you, you have weeks to, you know, write a story, illustrate a story, and then you have to have the story colored. If it's in color, you have to letter it, yeah. send it for, you know, edit, you know, editing, you know, so this is like a fast paced, you know, very time. That's why it's such a, 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 an assembly line production. Yeah. Because you have a penciler, then you have an inker, a colorist, letterer. Now the guys who could do it all, who can write and draw at the same time, they're on some other level. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, most of those guys are, are the cream of the crop. Um, but, it's you know it's it's not super common but it's not it's it's in the middle you know it's yeah. people do it and it's it's not unusual to have a writer artist but it, it's also you know there are, are a lot of guys who just have their their lane that they do you know the penciling or the inking um yeah. and then for gra- you know if you get into the you know the more of the the straight to graphic novel markets all those guys usually a lot of them write and draw their work because it's really an extension of just, you know, them as artists. Yeah. So they're in complete control of it. And those are, you know, books, a lot of graphic novels are now published outside of mainstream comics. So not just Marvel and DC, but you know, like scholastic, you know, they're doing graphic novels by artists and, and these guys spend, some of them spend years working on it. Yeah. You know, like there's a Craig Thompson, he did a a book called blanket. It's like, a thousand pages, you know, and, wow. you know, and he's, uh, his latest one is Habib, Habib, yeah, Habibi. And it's a, you know, he's just a beautiful storyteller. You know, it's usually it's about relationships and love and, you know, completely different from the superhero stuff. Um, but he's a fantastic artist and, and a writer as well. So that's awesome. So they definitely go hand in hand. And even, even if you go back to like Norman Rockwell, you know, his editor may have given him something, but he puts so much, there's so much storytelling in his, facial expressions and the things that are included in the painting. So if there's like, you know, kids running away from being in a pool that they weren't supposed to, you'll see like all these elements in the painting that, you know, it's, it's storytelling, you know, like, wow, there's this dog and this dog is looking this way and this kid is holding a magazine and in the magazine there's a, you know, it's a cover or, you know, a story about someone who just came home from the war, all little details that, you know, your average person wouldn't, may not pick up on, but it's all telling a story. It's like, okay, well, this kid's brother, you know, went, you know, went to war and now he's, you know, something happened to him, but you wouldn't know it unless you like saw the little magazine detail in, in the illustration and, you know, it's incredible storytelling. Um, all in a painting with no words. Mm. So I, I think as an illustrator, you definitely have to know how to tell a story. Awesome. Um, yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break yeah. and then we'll be back with more with Adam Illis Walenta. Be right back, y'all. If you've been listening to the podcast recently, then you know I've been working on a brand new book that I hope to have out in the next couple of months. But in the meantime, I'm here to let you guys know that all three of my first books are back in stock at waitlist.net. That means Adventures in Counterculture book, 
back in stock word is blog back in stock and my most recent book what a night a book about the worst shows of my career is back in stock all back in stock and you can get all three of those for just 25 dollars on waitlist.net once again all three of my books are available for just 25 dollars on waitlist.net back to the show um, i want to talk to you about um the point in which you went from having the interest uh the desire to do it and uh developing the skills that have put you on the path now like what was your first step from the point to where i mean you obviously you were drawing comics on your own your your mother was heavily involved in art you had started going to the comic book store on your own you had the vision in your head like, what was your next step be it from high school or from high school to college to kind of develop uh the skill set that you have now i had a tough time in, in high school i didn't really have a very good art program um, it, 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 it just, there was just no resources and there wasn't a lot of encouragement and then mix that with just the, you know, the social aspect of just getting caught up in girls and, and other BS. Um, there wasn't a lot there, but at later, you know, maybe junior year, I, I started, I really wanted to escape. <laughs> I wanted to get out of my town. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to go someplace else. And I knew I wanted to study art. And be an artist. I don't really remember when that, because it was always there. So I don't really remember if, like, if there was like, I want to be, you know, like, oh, I want to be an artist. Like, I thought about other things, but it always came back to art. So, you know, junior year, I was like, how do I do this? How do I, you know, get out of here? And you know, I learned that there were, you know, schools for artwork, you know, for artists. And I looked them up, and I started applying to schools. And, you know, I wanted to go to New York. And at this point, I was already, you know, already into music. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be somewhere where I could study art, but I could still be involved in hip hop. And so New York was just the natural, you know, selection at that time. Um, and so I applied for a couple of schools in New York. I got into, you know, the one that I wanted to. And actually, my, my teacher at the time, my art teacher was like, don't bother applying. Like in you, high school, in high school, she, she tried to discourage, she you tried to applying. discourage. Yeah. She was like, you won't get into Pratt. You know, that school's you know, really good. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do it. And, you know, cause we didn't like her. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do it and I'm going to get in. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to look like a jerk. Yeah. For telling me. And, and yeah. So that, you know, uh, that it was discouraging, but you know, I was always, you know, like, I don't know about maybe not spiteful is not the word, but I was like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did it. And I got to, you know, I, I got to college and whew, I got my ass kicked. Your first year or just in, just in general? First year, like I, I realized like there was, there was some truth to what she was saying in the sense that like there are people that are so good. There were definitely art students there that had encouragement and resources that I didn't have. Like I said, like my mother was encouraging but because she never pursued it, she didn't really know how to, to maneuver the lanes and she didn't really know how to, you know, give me extracurricular activities or, or they weren't there at the time. I, didn't, I don't know um, as a kid. So I didn't have like a lot of experiences outside of just drawing in my home, whereas there were kids that were on some other level. Like they were amazing right out the bat. So I always felt like I was playing catch up, like yeah. right from the get go. Like I saw these guys. I'm like. Maybe I shouldn't be here. You know, I love it and I, I want to do it. 
Um, and I, you know, I did have talent, but you know, they say that a lot of, about a lot of things like sports, like you're always the best one in your high school, but yeah. there's always like some get to next, college level. It's next level. It's right. True. So I, I did feel that, um, but I wasn't going to give up, you know, so I just worked harder. Yeah. Like there were dudes that were, you know, the way they painted in the freshman year, they painted, you know, senior year, but they were dope, but they didn't, they didn't really have like this great you know you couldn't see the progression yeah like you could see with me because i busted my butt to really you know grow and uh i had to kind of like fight my way to the top yeah do you feel like um were you doing the because you mentioned like the extracurricular activities did you find that you had to schedule that kind of thing yourself once you saw what the competition was or uh i knew i had to work harder yeah. And I knew I had to, you know, stay behind when everybody left the class and talk to the professors more and, and get more help in, in that side. And and um, eventually I got an internship. So I was getting help, you know, when working at Marvel Comics as an intern, I was getting advice and, and uh, you know, had some mentors there that helped me. Um, so, yeah, I, I wasn't taking any extra classes. You know, college itself was I had enough on my, on my plate with between yeah. that. And I was also working, you know, to, to pay for school. Um so, yeah, I just had to work harder, you know, when everyone else was out partying, you know, or doing the college thing because they had never you know, been away from home. I was working. So um, I had done a lot of crazy stuff in my younger, you know, as a kid. So I didn't really feel like I had to rebel or, or you know, exp- have these other experiences, you know, yeah. partying and stuff, even though I was in New York City. You know, it's like <laughs> everybody's going out exploring and going to shows and stuff. And I'm like, I got to do this. Yeah. Um, and eventually that's kind of what hurt the music, because freshman year we had a production deal with this producer and she was we were very close to signing like a label i was with this group and uh then then the the group element uh, element of it kind of fell apart where those guys didn't really want to do it and i was like well i want to do it but then i had to take a step back and i was like well i have to focus on one thing so i'm going to focus on on art and the music kind of went off to the side and i didn't pursue you know, any, any, you know, studio time or, or label stuff. And this was, so this was 93, 94. Yeah. And this was like the era when a lot of guys, the underground guys were kind of yeah, you know, doing their yeah, thing and, and they were, they were about to go to that next level, like the most deaths and the top yep. qualities and the whole raucous type, you know, uh, scene. So like, I feel like you know, if I would have stayed in that scene, like I could have probably, you know, yeah. been at another level on the music tip, but I really wanted to focus on the art. And I had to pick. I couldn't do both. Yeah. Um, because yeah. with the music, there's an element where you do have to socialize and you have to be out there. And I just didn't have the focus for that. Yeah. So when you got to college, because um, there's different types of uh, focuses within majoring in arts, mm-hmm. art. Did you kind of know what you wanted to do, what you wanted to focus on there? Or did you have to find your direction even within studying art? Even within studying illustration, I knew I wanted to be an illustrator. I thought I just wanted to do, to do comic books. There was another school that I probably should have gone to because it that was strictly focused on comic books. That's the Joe Kubert School, and that was a new that's in New Jersey. And Joe Kubert is you know one of the most famous comic book artists of all time. Um, so he he ran the, the school, and then he had other professionals like his sons and other professionals would would teach the courses. But I went to Pratt because I. I had an idea that I wanted to learn other things than comics, but I really didn't have a full grasp of how many other elements within illustration there were. And so that really opened up my mind and it confused me a little at the same time because here I was thinking like I just wanted to do comic books, but now like I'm being opened up to do stamps, yeah, book covers. Um, another thing that was big was uh, 
like travel uh, stickers. You yeah. know, like people would go, you know, like you would put on your uh, your luggage or whatever. Yep. Like, so, you, you know, there would be one for Hawaii. There'd be one for, you know, Cuba. Wherever you were traveling in the world, there was like an agency that was hiring people to, to paint these beautiful, you know, works of art. So there were all all these things that I never thought about industrial design um, things that people just overlook every day. Right, and actually, like. my freshman year, they right before everybody kind of picked their major, the um, the interior design department tried to recruit people because they they saw that as like a big market that was opening up, and I didn't know anything about interior design, but you know the idea of it was kind of appealing because, you know, you find artwork and, you know, just living spaces, you know, yeah. and, and that was kind of interesting to me. I, I didn't, I didn't go into it obviously, but there were so many other aspects of artwork yeah. and, you know, being that I came from a situation where I didn't have the encouragement or resources uh, from people that knew all that stuff already. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a huge learning experience and intimidating and, you know, all yeah. those things that, you know, you're 18 years old and uh, if you're like, wow, the world just opened up, you know, and it's, it becomes overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so how did you ultimately decide? Was it just, look, this is, I think I can do the best here. It, Cause you ultimately, you were on your own making that decision. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think the storytelling aspect played into it because I like to tell stories and I, you know, I still loved comic books. Yeah. So I wanted to get into illustration and I knew like that was kind of like my thing. And I loved movies and I knew I could always do storyboarding, um, that sort of stuff. Um, I wasn't really into the animation because I thought I would be, um, but I wasn't really into the technical aspect, the, the tedious drawing, the same, no, this was before computers. This is, I was still, I was right at the cusp. Flip books. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, shooting, you know, one still at a time. Wow. You know, that's, that's how they were still doing it for the most computers were just about to, you know, take over. Yeah. This is like right when like Beauty and the Beast, you know, came out and they had done like some computer animation scenes and, uh, you know, like some panning stuff that was really, you know, brilliant, but they were still doing it, you know, shooting stills. Um, so I, I actually got a job at Disney out of, out of college. That's awesome. To do animation. This is the craziest story. They flew me out to LA, looked at my, you know, we did the interview, everything. They're like, yeah, we're going to put together this package. I was like, I'm fresh out of college. Got a job. <laughs> Disney. Boom. Like starving artist, my ass, you know, yeah. like I'm in, you know, flew back to Connecticut. Cause I, I had moved from New York to Connecticut just for like six months before I moved back to New York. And just, you know, waiting. Oh, we're going to send this package out to you. So this waiting. was like an offer package. Yeah. Job offer. Yeah. Okay. You know, you sign it and then, you know, we'll pay for your moving and all this stuff yeah. out here. Weeks went by, a couple months went by. I'm like getting discouraged. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And eventually, I come to learn out that that division of the company just went out of business. What? Yeah. So they're like the within entire... within Disney, there's like all these little you know divisions of companies, and they would fold and they would get eaten up by other divisions, and you know people would get laid off and stuff. So the, you know the people that were gonna hire me just kind of disappeared. Wow. So I got fired before I got hired. <laughs> <laughs> Super, super depressed. Yeah. yeah. This is, so, so what did that leave your, because obviously you're sitting waiting and you think you have a job for right, several months. Right. That, so what did that leave you, that your led prospects me, at? That, that kind of solidified the freelance. Like, yeah. Like I knew like comic book artists were freelancers. I had already interned to Marvel. I had already been a professional freelancer at that yeah. point. Like I'd already been working for them. Um, and it was just like, you know what? You know, if an opportunity presented itself, I would consider it. But I'm not going to rely on anyone, 
you know, to, you know, wait around for a job. Yeah. Because even those guys, and at that point, you know, because computer animation started to slowly get bigger and bigger and bigger, a lot of guys were getting laid off over the years, you know, within the next five year period. But, you know, after like, you know, 95, 96, people were losing jobs like crazy in that field. So I was like, you know what, you know, I'm going to stick to illustration because I know that I could work for another company like a Marvel or DC or even one of the bigger publishers like Scholastic, like doing illustrations for them. But I can also earn a living doing it myself. Like I started to learn like the whole, you know, while I was working at Marvel, I was learning the process of self-publishing. Yeah. And so I knew that I could do it. Um, And so I didn't have to rely on anyone else completely. And uh, that was, you know, that experience with disney i was like "Ah, i don't want to deal with that again (laughs) yeah before you even got started yeah yeah i'd love to hear about um like what did you take away from the experience at marvel because a lot of people you know that's obviously if you're a comic book fan that's probably on your dream job list yeah and it was it was an amazing experience and again it was one of these wonderful experiences and it was disheartening because they were also it was just a weird time period for everybody i guess they were going through a bankruptcy was this before the the movies had started to hit yes. again yeah, okay way before yeah they they actually during this period where they went bankrupt this is this is the cause this is the period that caused all the problems now because they sold the licensing rights to spider-man and the x-men mm. and the fantastic four to some, both uh, both sony and fox so fox has uh X-Men and Fantastic Four and Sony has Spider-Man. Marvel doesn't own those anymore. They own the comic mm. book rights, but yeah. they don't own any movies. Wow. So like if you know the Marvel Cinematic, you know, well, now, now they have a deal with Sony with Spider-Man where he's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but originally he wasn't. So now they're going to reintroduce him in this Captain America movie that's coming out. Um, but like the X-Men aren't in the cinematic universe with like the Avengers and, and you know Ant-Man and all these other guys because Fox owns them. So because they were going through this bankrupt period, you know, take it back to like, you know, around 95, 96, even before that. Yeah, 95. Um, they were going through a hard time. And uh, so they sold those rights. And everybody that I was making friends with, you know, I finally realized, all right, there's a social aspect to all of this. And you have to play a game. But at the same time, I wasn't really that good of a gameplay. I, I connected with people that I connected with. You know, there was, yeah. there was common interests, there was personality, you know, connections. Um, and then there were people that, you know, I was never rude. And I was always professional, but you know, you just didn't connect with, you know, certain editors or whatever. Everyone that I connected with was getting laid off. Wow. <laughs> and that taught me like, you have to be connected to everybody, even if there's not a personal connection. So that was a big lesson right there because everybody that I like, they laid off tons of people and some of them went into other, you know, to other companies and I stayed in touch with them and some, you know, some of them are lifelong friends and they went to other, you know, aspects of publishing and and I worked with them, you know, in, in that, uh, you know, in those companies, but you know, it really opened my eyes like, cause once your people are gone, you're not there anymore. You know, so it's like regimes, regime yeah, regime change. change absolutely. And uh, you really have to stay connected on a social level um, if you're going to be a freelancer. Yeah. And, and I'm sure if you're even with within a company, you have to, you know, if you want to move up, you know, you have to socialize. And, and so that really taught me a lesson. Like going back to like, you know, the early days of college when I said I would just work all the time. 
I missed out on a whole social element, you know, making, you know, certain friends because I was just focused on trying to get better and be better. Um, when I got to Marvel, I would go out and hang out with, you know, people and stuff like that. So I started to learn how to maneuver a little bit more. But then when, when the firing started to happen, that's when it woke me up even more. I was like, oh, wow, you really have to, there's a game to this. Yeah. There's a, it's a business. You know, even though I'm working for myself, you now have, everybody's your boss, kind of. Yeah. And your boss <laughs> you have, your customers, and they're yeah. in a, ten, they're, they're, they're a potential boss or they're a customer. Right. Yeah. So now it's not just, it's not, you know, people think, oh, you work for yourself. No, I work for everybody. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's something that took a while for me to, to really learn because I didn't have anybody really teaching me that aspect of it. So that was all trial and error and making mistakes and stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Man. <laughs> so Awesome. Cool. We'll take a quick break right. and uh, we'll be back with uh, part three. Word up. It's officially winter. And that means one thing. Super Duty Tough Work hoodies are officially back in stock. That's right. Super Duty Tough Work hoodies are officially back in stock. We've only had hoodies available once before, last winter, and they sold out in less than a month. For those of you who missed out on those hoodies back then and have been asking about them ever since, don't sleep. This time around, the Super Duty Tough Work hoodie is black with blue print. As usual, we have them available in all sizes, but quantities are limited. To order, go to waitlist.net right now and order yours before they're gone all over again. Once again, Super Duty Tough Work hoodies are back in stock at waitlist.net. That's W-E-I-G-H-T-L-E-S-S dot net. Thank you for your support. Back to the show. Boom. And we're back uh, with Adam Illis Walenta talking about art. This is for all my, my visual people out there who are checking yep. out the podcast. Uh, this man is very successful and we're talking about his journey. Uh, last segment, we finished with him talking about Marvel, his experience at Marvel. Uh, I want to talk now about kind of going from that to where you are now, mm -hmm. because you learned some things out of that experience. And then you ultimately were just you were convinced at that point that being a um, you know a freelancer was the future mm. uh, let's talk about what what you took away from that and what were your steps towards becoming a freelancer yeah um backtracking just a second like it, it seems like it was like a lot of bad experiences but there the, the were a lot of amazing experiences from marvel that i learned okay. that go into this topic so like there you know what i learned was just doing it you know and, and there's really, there are rules, but there's every rule is meant to be broken. So like, if you want to make a comic book, you just have to make a comic book. Like, and yeah. it's that simple. Like you get the paper, you get the pens, you write a story, you just, and then you, you have to research printers and, and just go forward. And as a freelancer, I just had to do it. Yeah. And it was really like, it, it seems cliche and it's that simple, but really it was just, all right, well, how, you know, how do you get a job? You know, you, there's the social aspect aspect of it, like we were talking about, but you have to organize your portfolio and it's different now because I had to, to research. I would go to the bookstores and I would see who the publishers are. I would write down their addresses. 
I would find out who the editors are of people that of, of projects that are similar to what I want to do. And I would contact, I would write letters, you know, type out letters. This is before I had a, you know, a regular computer with a printer, I'd type it out and I would mail it out with samples of my artwork. And they, you know, they would either get back to you or they wouldn't. Yeah. And, um, and now you could go online, you could connect with editors on a, a social media level. So I tell people like you have to, you know, have some type of, you know, social media profession, professionalism. Yeah. You know, you, you know, I'm at a stage now where I could, you know, I could say political stuff and, and, you know, give my personal views. But a lot of people, younger people have to realize like you shouldn't do that if you want to get work. Yeah. You know, because you could offend somebody you know, you should be careful, like tiptoe around, you know, your personal life and, and your professional life. Um, but, you know, as far as the freelancing goes, I, I just, you have to do it. Yeah. There's no, there's no getting around to it. You could prepare, you could, you know, work on your portfolio for 10 years until yeah. you get the best thing that you think is, you know, the, the greatest piece of artwork. But if you're not showing it around and going around and, and really letting the people in power see it, you're not going to get work. So, um you know, I just, I learned really quickly that that's what I had to do and really just hustle. And what, and, what about the, like the, the culture of working there? Did that impact you in any way? Cause I mean, such a legacy of Marvel. Marvel. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, um, it taught me to have a schedule, okay. you know, I had, you had, you had that. And that's probably one of my greatest strengths is, is being, having a strong work ethic and you know, getting up, you know, doing the work, getting it done. And I saw many, many freelancers lose jobs because they weren't doing the work. Yeah. My first professional gig was because someone didn't do their job. It happens all the time. Right. And so I was sitting there, I was an intern, which was basically just, you know, photocopying, watching, you know, everything happen and learning. And then I would do little, you know, art corrections and stuff like that. And I was sitting there one Friday and my editor was like, you know, cursing out this guy, like didn't, didn't do color this book. And back then it wasn't computer coloring. It was, they would take the 11 by 17 artwork. They would scan it down 60, 65% onto Xerox paper. And then you would color with a brush and dyes, you know, basically watercolors. And then you would have to write, you would have to code everything. And you could either do that on an, an overlay, like a piece of tracing paper or write on the paper. And so you would have, you know, it was all CMYK. So cyan is, you know, uh, blue, magenta is red, yellow, and then and black. And, and you would have to write like, okay, if I want to do purple, so that's, you know, 50% cyan for 50% magenta. And you'd have to like label everything. So it was really like yeah. tedious, tedious work. So, you know, there was like a 32 page book that had to be colored over the weekend. It had to be at the printer Monday. And I, and my, you know, the editor and the assistant editor are going back and forth trying to call people. I'm like, yo, I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> you and stepped my, up. Though. Right. I was like, I'll do it. And my editor looked at me and he was like, and he looked at the assistant and he was like, give it to him. I was like, all right. So I finished my, my intern duties that Friday. And I was like, I knew I couldn't stay at school. You know, I couldn't be in the dorm. Yeah. So I, I took the train back to Connecticut, back to my mom's house sat at the I didn't even have a drawing table at that point I just we had a bar in the basement you know where they would have parties and stuff and I sat on a stool on the bar I had the stack of paper and you know the, the color the watercolors and everything the brushes the water I stayed up all weekend you know wow you know coloring this book had it for him first thing Monday morning <laughs> and you said that was your last uh you said I'm not interning anymore I'm basically well no I, I, I still job, I still yeah. intern I actually did a second internship and that way I could kind of make the connections if and it, 
and I, because I wasn't going to be a full-time colorist, yeah, they weren't just going to hire me on a book full-time. I was still in school and everything. But what I would do was I would, I would watch, all right, who's not making the deadlines? Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Oh, I'm here. Oh, someone's screwing up. I'm here. Like, so that's why I stuck around as an in, on the intern level, um, you know, cause I was free at the time, you know, I wasn't getting paid to be an intern I was working for free. And then, you know, whenever somebody would screw up, I was there. That's awesome. That's, so that's, how, I earned, that's how I earned my reputation. And that's how I earned my, learned my work ethic because I saw guys slipping, yeah. you know, you know, whether, whatever, for whatever reason, but I would be that dude, you know, and I just earned that, you know, earned and learned that, you know, got that reputation to, um, to be there and, and always get the job done. Like I've never missed a deadline. Like I've been sick, you know, and, and, and unable to really move and I would still get up and do the job. And, you know, you look back and you're like, oh man, this sucks, <laughs> but I did it, you know, and I got the job done. And in, in the end, that's what they care about. Yeah, you know, especially in publishing, they want you to do a good job. They want beautiful artwork, obviously. But in the end, it's about meeting a deadline. And if you can't meet the deadline, it doesn't matter if you're the greatest artist in the world. Because there were certainly, and there still are, there's artists that are way better, you know, what I consider better. Yeah. You know, they do beautiful work and I'm in awe of, you know, their, you know, their skills. And I always still feel like I'm playing catch up with guys and learning um, and growing. But yo, if you miss a deadline, I'm gonna be there, <laughs> and no one's ever gonna say I missed a deadline, like yeah. ever, like no matter what, like so that's that's my strength, and I think I tell that to other younger artists, like yo, you have to be there, you have to do the work, yeah. And so when I wanted to do my own stuff, you know, you think you could you could be you know lax or whatever, but I still had deadlines. I made myself deadlines. You know, like, you know, you have your schedule. Yeah. I would do the same thing. I'd write everything out. Like I have to meet this deadline because I have a distributor. You know, I have to have this book at the distributor. I have, first you have to have it at the printer. So the printer has to meet the deadline for the distributor. So there's still deadlines. And just because it's your own work, you know, when I was publishing my own books, I still have to meet them. Yeah. And now it's even, to me, that was even more important because I've seen guys that self-publish books and they're late and I'm like, you only get a couple chances to get that new audience, you know, because you're competing with big companies like Marvel and DC. So for the smaller publishers, they're not really going to give you a chance if your books are late, especially stores, because they, they want to have something to sell and yeah. so forth and so on. But so you have to meet your own deadlines and you have to have that work ethic. Yeah. You know, uh, do you feel like, and this is something like that you kind of touched on, there are artists who are great. And then they seem to have the perspective, which is the opposite of what you described, which is I will work when I'm inspired. Right. Do you find like that's like as opposed to I have a deadline and inspiration doesn't matter. There's a job to yeah. do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would love to just do stuff when I was inspired. Like, yeah. How glorious would that be? I'm inspired. <laughs> but no, it's like, you know, is inspiration you overrated? Know, you no, inspiration is great, but. When you're working in the professional world, even for yourself, you still have to get things done. And it doesn't always have to be your best. It could just be that you got it done. Yeah. And you have to be okay with that. If, you, if you're worried about making the masterpiece, you know, especially as a young person, you're, you're going to kill yourself. You're going you're to be tormented for all eternity because you're never going to have a masterpiece. First, as an artist, how many of us are always happy with everything we do to begin with? Usually there's some, eh, I could do better. So true. But you want you you ha the only way you're gonna be better is if you make all the the bad choices and the mistakes and everything like that. Even 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 now, like 
if I have to meet a deadline, I have to meet the deadline. Nobody cares ultimately if I think it's my best work. Nobody cares about that but me. Yeah. So I have to get over that. You know, it, I may compare it to other artists, you know, and be like, oh, I wish it looked more like this or I wish I could have done this or, you know, I know I could do better. But you meet the deadline, the check clears, <laughs> people like it. You bills know, are paid. Bills are paid, which is always important. Um, but also there, there is, you know, you want, you want, you want some gratitude and yeah. there are people that are going to like it. And, you know, you have to be like, you have to be, you know, have gratitude for that and, and be gracious and say, okay, well, thank you. You don't always want to say, oh, I could have done better. That's something you say to yourself or your close friends or whatever, you know, in, in your own little circle. Yeah. Um, but that, that's something I try to tell artists also. They're like, ah, oh. you know, I'm like, oh, this is great. And they're like, oh, yeah, but I'm like, no, I know. I understand how you feel because I certainly feel like that all the time. But don't say that to me. Yeah. Especially if we just met each other, because I'm, I'm giving you a compliment. And I think your work is excellent. And I also have to tell myself that, like, okay, well, this person loves it. Yes. And that's important. You know, I may kick myself and want to improve, but yeah. that's all on me. So just, you know. I do the same thing as well. Yeah. Where someone, your instinct is to be as honest as possible about what you could have done better. Right. But they don't know what you could have done better. Right. They're judging it as yeah. it is. I mean, I've done artwork for you, and there are times when I was like, oh, I wish I had more time, or I wish yeah. I could have done this. But you know what? You're happy with it? Awesome. Exactly. And I'm like, this is great. <laughs> but you also, and that goes, this goes into a whole other thing. Now, if you're working for someone and they're not happy with it, sometimes you just have to eat it and you just have to, you have to make the client happy. Yeah. So you have to be willing to say like, oh, because there are, you know, on the flip side, we're also artists. So we have egos. Yes. So there may be an element where we're like, we're not, we know we're not happy with it, but who are you to tell me yeah. that this isn't good enough? Like, what are you crazy? What like, do you know about art? Yeah, what do you know about art? Especially like if you're dealing with editors who don't, you know, they're not necessarily, they're not artists, but they yeah. deal with artists. You're like, what are you, are you crazy? Like, you know, this is dope. <laughs> I got to redo it. But hey, man, you know, like maybe they don't like it. Yeah. You know, and you can't let that discourage you either. You just have to be like, all right. Yeah. Like, you know, there's something wrong with it. They don't like it. I have to redo it. Yeah. Yeah. Be attached to the results as opposed to right. the, any other part of it. Absolutely. You know, because you, if you're still attached to the process, if it misses its mark, you're going to have a hard time accepting that. Right. When you're attached to the results, you can say, hey, mm. you know what? It didn't get the desired result. Yeah. Something must be off. I don't know what. And, 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 and I have to accept that. And I've had to do that as, you know, a young professional and, and as an old professional. You're not, you know, yeah. not everybody's going to be happy. So you have to, you know, be like, just suck it up and just yeah. you know rework it and and go from there. So 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 when you left Marvel, um, and you got out of art school, you've been freelancing for twenty years now. Yeah, right. Yeah. I and mean, so, I started freelancing for Marvel. I forget the exact dates, but it was between ninety, you know, ninety four, ninety five. Yeah. Um, and I was working for them, and I was still going to school, so I, it wasn't a full time thing. But I was getting a professional check. Yeah. You know, I was getting that check with spider-man on it awesome. <laughs> which i still have some like i kept them <laughs> yeah. did you have any mentors at that time other freelance or any older artists who might have like imparted any wisdom on you or um, any advice back then i had not i wouldn't say mentors but like i had gotten to work with like john ramita okay who was you know one of the you know, the great comic book artists so i got to learn you know certain things from him but i wouldn't call him it was more of like a 
you know, he had his job to do and I would see him doing it and I would get to talk to him every now and then. But my editor who I work, who I interned for, Mike Rockwitz, he was one of the biggest, you know, mentors as far as, you know, giving me the chance to do it. He taught me how to do it. And then he gave me the chance to do it professionally. And, and so that was a, a huge deal for me. And we became friends. And over the years, as he went into other aspects of publishing, he taught me Quark yes. and Illustrator because he was he had to learn because he was going into other aspects of publishing. So he self-taught himself. And so when I had to you know, self-teach myself because the computer started you know, really being the thing, he gave me advice and told me how to do it and also how to kind of navigate, you know, the social aspect of, you know, you know, reaching out to other editors and other, you know, other art directors and stuff like that. And um, so he was probably my biggest mentor. He was he wasn't an illustrator, but he was someone, an art director and an, and an editor and, you know, one of the guys that hires people like me. So that was, you know, a huge um, uh, I was very fortunate to have him help me and have him in my life and make that connection. Um, and then I met other, other, other artists in the business and I'm always, you know, people who I became friends with and, and learned from. And even to this day, like even younger people, you know, I would see somebody, I'm like, Oh, how'd you do that? You know? And then we build a friendship and, and learn from them. So yeah. you can never be too old to learn. No, you know, you not at you know, all. Or be, have an ego. <laughs> yeah. You got to shut the ego down and everything and just open your mind. And cause you're, you're always going to have to learn. You know, especially going back to like, you know, like I had to learn computers on my own because by the time I graduated college, the whole, you know, industry shifted. Um, and so even now, like there's new software that comes out that kids, you know, you know, 16 year olds are learning at home and they're just doing it all the time. And I got to catch up to like a 16 year old that now knows this software yeah. that I just discovered. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, OK. So now I can learn from, you know, these YouTube tutorials and stuff like that. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a never, never ending, ending. process. That, no, you know? yeah, I agree. If oh. I just stuck to oil painting, then, you know, that would be fine. But, you know, doing your one thing. But be, if you want to evolve as an artist and, and, and survive these different, you know, cultural and, and business, you know, shifts that happen, you know, like, you know, Norman Rockwell did oils, but now like everybody does vectors, you know, like, so you have to kind of see what's popular, you know, illustration used to be on all kinds of magazine covers and photography took over. So, so true. you know, and, and kick the illustrators, but you know, like an illustrator like Norman Rockwell, Norman, Norman Rockwell or JC Leindecker, they were superstars. They were like movie stars. Like they'd show up and people would be like, that's JC Leindecker, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> then the photography took over and just really like, you know, hurt those guys so true so yeah you have to be able to persevere and that's that, that goes along with my work ethic being able to persevere and adapt yeah. and evolve and find what's going on so so talk about like um like the the because a lot of people are illustrators mm -hmm. many are story writers but not all of them will enter into self-publishing mm -hmm. um you've had a lot of times where you're doing self-publishing a lot and it seems like you've taken times off of mm -hmm. it explain like your journey with the self-publishing and like what you learned from that yeah i wasn't able to land a gig at marvel drawing um at that at that the time when i right right when my internship ended and i got out of college and part of it was because i wasn't doing a portfolio that was something that they wanted 
I found that I was really getting into more underground comics and I really wanted to do something humor oriented and it was just wasn't in, in the superhero market. Um, so I had to decide like, all right, are there any publishers that are doing what I want? And I pitched a couple ideas to some people and nobody was biting. So finally I decided, all right, I'm going to do this myself. And I had to take other illustration jobs and save up the money. I had to, you know, figure out the business aspect of it as far as, you know, copywriting everything and trademark and everything. I had to research that. And so there was that whole learning process. And then I went into it, you know, got distribution and I loved it. And it was great. And it was a lot of hard work. It was harder than working for someone else because now I had to handle, I wasn't making enough right off the bat to hire a publicist mm -hmm. and, 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 hire other people to do some of the heavy lifting that wasn't creative. Um, so I did that for several years and then I realized like, all right, I need to take a break because it was so exhausting, um, doing all of the work myself. Yeah. And I found that my artwork is better when I'm work or I, I felt like my artwork was better when I would illustrate stories for other people. And then I felt my writing was better when I was letting other people illustrate them. Yeah. Cause I was able to focus in and on that, on those certain elements and not have to do everything. So yeah. like when I was writing my own stuff, I was having a hard time because I would, you know, like, all right, well, what am I really good at drawing? You know, like, and then I would, you know, the writing would suffer because the illustrator was making decisions. Bad, the yeah, the, right. Exactly. And so I'm in the opposite, you know, so it, it and, so I struggled with that. So then I started collaborating with other people and working with other artists. And then I would work with other writers. And I found I was having more fun with the collaborative process, which goes back to just my love for comic books in general. The fact that it's an assembly line and there's all these people, you know, contributing, you know, their skills to create something amazing. Um, but then I go back and there are times when I want to do it all. Yeah. But I, I can't do that for a long period of time because you're creating in a bubble and it, it becomes a little bit, for me, it becomes exhausting and overwhelming. Yeah. And uh, I need to have like another person involved in the process. Yeah. So, um, and even if it's just an editor, uh, someone that's there to help guide and, yeah. and oversee things. Um, so yeah, that, uh, and now I'm going back to self-publishing and I'm working on new projects again. So I, I go back and forth where I'm freelancing and doing my own stuff and, you know, and, and seeking out new opportunities, um, to do creative stuff. When I was really heavily into self-publishing in the late nineties, early two thousands, I was also getting into movies. This was pre Spider-Man blowing up the, the movie industry, you know, the comic book movie industry. And I had pitched, you know, been, I went to every Hollywood studio, had me out there, flew me out there and they wanted to hear like what we were doing. I was working with another writer and pitched them all these great ideas. And they were like, yeah, these are no brainers. We're going to turn this into a movie. We're going to turn this into a TV show. And then there was one movie, Mystery Men. That's the one. Yeah. I liked it. It was goofy. And it had that irreverent humor that I was doing at the time. Like my characters were like, I had a character named like Old Man Whoopass. And he was a perpetually old man, but he was indestructible. So he was like in his hundreds yeah. and he looked wrinkled and he was old and he had liver spots all over him and he was grouchy and angry, but he was like a, a pugilist. So yeah. he was like this just tough ass fighter. And uh, so that was, those were the kind of characters I was doing. Um, there was another guy, the spoon, his, he had a, 
there was a magician who enchanted the, you know, this thing. He enchanted a spoon of all things. Yeah. So it was a weapon, but it could only rip out the evil, the, the hearts of evil men, you know, like just crazy, <laughs> like weird stuff like that. Yeah. And mystery men was kind of in that vein, but the movie tanked. Mm. So all of a sudden the call stopped uh. because it had to be a hit, you know, cause they wanted to emulate that because I wasn't out in Hollywood full time, you know, you're out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. You know, I can't, I couldn't keep pitching them like, all right, well, I could do something else. You know, I, I went back to New York and I was, you know, doing freelance and publishing still, but mystery men tanked. And then they were like, Oh, well we're not into this like irreverent humor, like, yeah. you know, sarcastic, you know, crazy stuff. But that's, um, that's three things. So if you count, uh, the job you thought you had right out of college, yeah. you know, in Hollywood, yeah. Marvel being bankrupt when you got there. Yeah. And then, and then being flown all the way around to yeah. Hollywood again. Yeah, I was always I was getting my ass kicked. Yeah, I was. But you were you were one good break away. That's it. Yeah. From completely yeah. being any of your ideas would have blown up. Right. And people were like, "Why are you angry?" Well, there's reasons why I'm angry. <laughs> yeah. You were as I far earned, as you could I go. I earned the right to be a little angry, at the, but yeah. I still have my sense of you. It's funny to me now because I persevered. You know, yeah. like, and that's so important to me but yeah the, the hollywood thing really bummed me because i remember you know being in the, the um it was film roman who they did the simpsons and i think they were producing xena for tv and i had this one comic that it wasn't even the, the irreverence stuff. this was a straight up science fiction and it had an element to it i i, I still because i, I want to work on it again like i'm secretly plotting the return of this project but it had an element to it that no one had done before and the, the 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 vice president of the company, uh, Film Roman, she was like, this is this is a no brainer. She was like, the president of the company loves it. She was like, but we don't want to do a movie. We want to do a TV show. Mm. And at the time, I was like, yeah, like you know, I'd rather be like Star Trek, you know, like long serial episodes, you know, where it's not just a two hour movie that could flop. Yeah, you know, this is gonna be like long term. I was like. You know, I, I went back to the hotel and I was jumping up and down on the bed and I called my partner. I was like, yo, this is it. Like, this is going to be the one, you know? And again, it was just one of those things like out of sight, out of mind, went back to New York and then something weird happened. Like, I think she ended up leaving the company and then it just all fell out. Wow. And I was like, oh, I was like, literally like this person. And like, you think like, like maybe they were just blowing smoke up my ass, but like they flew me out there. Yeah. Took the time to, you know, do all this stuff. And then she's t- like, she didn't have to tell me any of this stuff. I don't know. I was naive. We had, like we were trying to get an agent and, but because the deal didn't go through, then the agent was like, well, they don't want to do this. So we're not going to be your agent. <laughs> it was just crazy stuff. It was all a learning experience. And, and, and it was a great learning experience. Cause now that I'm, you know, I'm building a new company now yeah. and we're going to be publishing books later this year, early next year. And now I know I how to line up my ducks, you yeah. know, and I know like I know what I'm doing now. That was all learning. That was just you know twenty 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 two year old kid, you know, like yeah. knew nothing. And I don't come, you know, you hear these stories about people that come from nothing, especially out in Hollywood. But that's all fabricated bullshit. Like completely, everybody has a family member who's a producer, who was an actor, or had some some in. In the industry, I literally had nothing. I mean, my dad didn't graduate high school. He went into the into the army at like seventeen before I think he was even supposed to. You know, my mother didn't go to college. You know, like we didn't come from money. There was nothing. You know, everything I did, I learned on my own. You know, I had other people. You know, I had a couple mentors and, and stuff like that. But 
I made all the mistakes myself. Yeah. You know, I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make the mistakes and learn. So like the fact that I was even able to, you know, walk on a lot of these yeah. Hollywood studios, you know, and they're like, Oh, we love your characters and love your ideas. I'm like, like nobody from my town. Like, <laughs> I mean, even now, like, right. Think about it. Even now, most illustrators or artists yeah. have never pushed their art that far to, right. to even garner those kind of meetings. Right. That's there a, are comic book artists now that are, you know, because Hollywood is blown up with the comic book stuff. Sometimes there's just a rumor that a comic book is hot. It's not even printed yet. And Hollywood is all over it. Yeah. So I, that's why I was like, I got to get back. And now I'm getting back in the game and I'm behind again. Yeah. Because even though I started before a lot of these young dudes that are getting movie deals with their comics, you know, I, I stopped, you know, because I had to survive. Yeah. So there were, you know, and you know, like I said, I'm not angry about that. It's just how, how it is. Um, so now I'm back to square one where I'm starting new, but I, because of those learning experiences, I know what I'm doing now and I know to go slow. You know, I think like you said, it's, you know, it's not the, it's not that end, it's the journey. So, and, and that, that's very true for me, you know, having this, these experiences. Um, but yeah, there was, there was a lot of almost there's almost there's and. It, it led to a lot of depression, you know, no joke. Like I had a lot of, you know, you can't get that high. Yeah. And then without feeling the lows, without feeling the lows and you know, it, the lows hit man, you know, yeah. especially when, you know, the illustration work, you know, the, you know, every job is different. So not every job pays, you know, really well. So you're working and working and working, but you know, sometimes you're just not making a lot of money. And it, I was living in New York and you know, rent is crazy and just living is, you know, expenses is crazy. So, yeah, man, it was hard. It was like, oh, you think you're almost there. And you just kept getting kicked down. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. But, yeah, perseverance. Yeah, straight up, man. Uh, we're going to do uh, one quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about, like, what specifically has kind of the traits that have made Adam as successful as he is and kind of get into the, the, the real nuts and bolts of that, man. And uh, this has been an amazing interview thus far, man. Oh, thanks. I like it. I'm learning <laughs> so much. I'm yeah. learning so much. All right. So we'll be back in a second. Over the last several months, as the podcast has been growing, people have been asking how they can support the super duty tough work podcast. Well, Here's three simple ways to support the podcast. Number one, spread the word. This is the easiest and most effective way to support the podcast. In fact, it's free and doesn't cost you a thing. So there's no reason not to do it. If you're listening to us and like what we do, please take a couple of seconds and share the podcast on your social media pages. So whether you have Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, it's highly likely that you've got some friends who share similar interests and tastes and would dig the podcast too. That helps bring more listeners to the podcast and it helps us grow. The second way you can help support Super Duty Tough Work is to comment and rate. Now, if you're on iTunes or you have an iTunes account, give your boys that five-star rating. We need that. The more five-star ratings and comments we have, the higher our show ranks and the easier it becomes for people to find it. If you're on SoundCloud, there's a heart icon next to each episode on the left side. That's the like button. Hit that like button while you're listening. Also, add a comment while you're listening and join the discussion. 
all feedback is welcome. The third way you can support the Super Duty Tough Work podcast, the most valuable podcast on planet Earth, is to support our music. As you know, Illogic and I are artists. We both put out albums. Illogic makes albums. Buy his albums. I make albums and books. Anytime you support our music, you are supporting the making of the show. You can find my music, books, and t-shirts at waitlist.net. That's the word, waitlist.net. Go there, pick up something, and know that what you spent your money on is an investment back into creative projects like Super Duty Tough Work. In fact, I have a sale going on right now where you can get all three of my books for just $25. I'll even sign the books for you if you request it in your order form. So there you have it. That's three separate ways you can support the podcast. The first two cost you nothing. We thank you for your support already. Back to the show. Yeah, let's get into some uh, some specific things, man. If you've been listening so far, it's been an amazing interview. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of jewels have been dropped about what has allowed Adam to make it this far. Just as an illustrator, as an entrepreneur, being self-employed for over 20 years, that's saying an awful lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not like this man is 60 years old. No. <laughs> he's 42. like 42, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like he's, he's a young man and he's, he's well, seen so more than 20 years now, I guess. Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, probably. I, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. But like... Um, Let's talk about this. What do you think? I mean, outside of we talked about your work ethic, we've talked about like your um, like your commitment to deadlines. Mm. What is it about like your vision and your ability to see the market that's allowed you to to be successful so long? Mm, that's a good question. You know, because I feel like you're seeing something. We talked about the industry changing. And it's since you yeah. started, you started on the cusp of the mm. digital stuff. Yeah. You had to catch up to get there. You had to catch up when, you know, that took off. And even now we're seeing the Internet and all that. Yeah. Yet yet you've still been present and successful in each era. Is it your vision? What is it that's allowed you to? to I wouldn't to, say I have a vision as far as being ahead of the game. Like I've yeah. never I've never I've tried to. Yeah. But I haven't been that good at being like able to see like what the next big thing is. But I can, you know, when it's happening, I kind of get involved in all of it yeah like and i can't necessarily so adaptability right than, it's yeah. definitely being being able to adapt because there may be like several things going on at the same time and i'll try to be paying attention to all of it and learning all of it and then that one thing will will take off and i'll, I'll have already you know been a little bit in tune with it and then i'll have to really like work to to uh, to master it um i remember uh late 90s early 2000s there were people that were like you know comics digital you know comics are going to be digital we're going to put them on cds and and people are going to you know open them up on the cds and read them like that and i was like it's a good idea but i'm not sure that's that's it you know there's something to it and i think they those guys had vision to know that there was a digital future but obviously the cd element of it never took off yeah right so i kind of just I'm good at watching and seeing it and yeah. paying attention, but I was never, you know, I wasn't going to invest, you know, my time into, you know, developing just comics for DVD, you know, CDs or DVDs. Um, I was going to wait to see 
if it took off. Yeah. So I think being able to like sit back and watch, and a lot of that comes from each, each thing that we talked about, just seeing my own failures and be like, all right, well, I learned this lesson. So now I'm going to step back a little further Yeah. and, and watch more closely. I'm not just, cause a lot of my learning experiences, like, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Like, I don't you know, whatever, like, I know yeah. I could do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like what do you attribute? Um, and this is kind of, uh, goes back to your self publishing. Mm-hmm. Self publishing is very similar to self releasing in music. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you feel like that's giving you, because when you self publish in a, in a market, like you've got, you know, it's, it's, it's similar, but as you're saying, there are guys who never do it. Mm-hmm. They're guys who illustrate their entire careers. Yeah. Um, do you feel like long term you have an advantage over them because you you are more able to control your your product? Does that does that give you any advantage? Yeah, I don't Just think it gives it? me an advantage. I think if you're happy doing something, like there are guys that love just working for on superheroes yeah and so you know and they're fine with just taking the jobs like they you know one day maybe drawing spider-man and then they get kicked off that and they may maybe drawing x-men and they just hop from title to title and they're happy just you know being workhorses and penciling away and 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 that's that and i i don't think i have an advantage like if anything they may have an advantage because they're just getting that steady check i mean it depends what the advantage is is it yeah you know, the advantage to paying bills like you know, they may have a little bit more stability, but they could also get fired. Exactly. You can't technically right. be. From, and then they the, the advantage for me may be that I can adapt more easily. Whereas now they're in a position like they've been working for one company all these years or doing one element. And now if they get fired from that job, they're just known for that one element. Yeah. And they may be great at it, but they may not get hired. Like Yeah. And then the leap I, between going from that one element to being able to generate income right. without a job, that's a big leap when you're older. Yes. Yeah. You know? and, and, you know, we were talking between the break that, you know, I've seen a lot of old timers, you know, when I was young as, as an intern, as, you know, come in and look for work and, you know, the younger editors would want to give the work to the, you know, the, the popular guy, the hot guy. So it's really no different from music where it's like whatever is popping off and, you know, yeah. the, those are the guys that get work. And then, you know, the old timers time, you know, kind of fall to the wayside, especially if, you know, there's no respect for them. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's pretty sad. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think this, this, there's so much to it. You have to be able to adapt. One thing in art school they tell you is, and even, even editors and art directors will tell a young artists, like you have to develop your style. And there, there's a lot of truth to that. Like you have to, if you're going to, if you want to do animals, you got to be the animal guy, yeah. you know, for children's books. Or you, if you want to be the cartoony guy, you do this. And one thing that hurt me and helped me at the same time was I had multiple styles. I like to do realist oil painting. I like to do more graphic illustration. I like to do the comic books. I like to do cartoon stuff. Um, it hurt me in the sense that I'm not known as that guy yeah no for signature. any one thing it helped me when you know there was no work for whatever you know style a i was able to do style b yeah you know and i was able to do style c and i was able to get work and survive so you know there are advantages and disadvantages to that so now if you're if you're just doing one thing in comic books you know can you do can you flip it and yeah. you know go and do something else you know 
I don't know. I don't know if I or, or maybe those guys have long term careers and stack up money and that's their advantage over me. They don't have to hustle as much because they're just yeah. known for one thing. Um, I've always been hustling. And that also comes from my schizophrenic likes. Like I like so many of the things I want to try it all. Yeah. And maybe one day I'll find that one thing and I'll be like, I just want to do this for the next 30 years of my life until I die. I've never been like that, though. I like doing so many different things. You know, you know, painting, illustration, you know, uh, writing, music. Yeah. And I never wanted to be the jack of all trades because then you're a master of none, right? I, I've always tried to master what I do to, to my extent, but I also wanted to adapt and, and learn, you know, different things. So I think, you know, for a young artist, I tell them, yeah, find something that you like and master it, but don't, you know, put yourself in a box, learn other things as well. Yeah. Uh, be able to adapt. Yeah, because that's essential, you know. Yeah, so if if a, if a younger artist is listening to this right now and they're saying, "I'm in art school, or I'm contemplating art school, or you know, I'm about to get out of art school, um, and I want to become a freelancer, a successful freelancer," um, what five tips if you could come up with? <laughs> I don't know five things you would tell them uh, to focus on or to, you know, to, to traits that would allow them to be successful. Hmm. Um, your work ethic, make sure that is strong. You know? mm -hmm. Make sure you have, you know what you want to do. Get up in the morning, do it. You know, even if you don't have a job, you have to work. That's one. Meet the deadlines, you know, yeah. always do what you're going to, you say you're going to do. Like don't, don't take the job. Otherwise you're better off not taking the job than missing a deadline. Cause that, yeah. will, that will fuck you up. <laughs> um, practice. Never stop learning. Um, always keep growing, you know. Uh, two more. That, 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 for me, that's... That's uh, the big three right that's there. That's the big three right there. Always learn, uh, you know, just keep an open mind. Yeah. You know, and and, and then... Because you've persevered. Be, be, I would, able, I be, able to take be able to take criticism. Yeah. You know, you, you and most art students, they should be learning that right, right off the bat. Like that should be the first thing they teach you is how to, you know, how to give, give a good critique. Yeah. Be able to give a positive critique for your peers and for other people. And also be able to take a critique. I mean, yeah. you could usually tell someone that's been to art school the way they talk about other people's art. Like, you know, you know, some, you know, someone that doesn't know, they'll say, oh, that, that sucks. Like, no, you don't know what that person <laughs> was doing. Like, you can't just say something stinks. Like, yeah. the, you have to be able to give positive encouragement and, yeah. and, 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 you know, really critique something and see what can be improved, not just what's wrong with it. Yeah. So you can, if, you can hear it in, you know, an artist when they speak, if, if they could deal with criticism, then they know how to give a critique as well, usually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think those, you know, yeah. th that's it right there. Yeah. I would add perseverance to yours because yeah. you've been through three or four different eras yeah. of illustrated yeah. art. You're uh, still active and doing dope shit. Yeah. You know, you're, um, you had you. these crazy highs where you were literally one phone call away from having some one Hollywood. signature yeah one signature. i had the phone call i was yeah. just, like, just give me that line. The signature, <laughs> like the, the paperwork was printed yeah the ink was ready for you to that's it yeah and man. you and you didn't quit no you kept going i've got and you persevered i've got all the letters from you know the the studio or actually a lot of them were phone calls but i got letters also where they would send letters back oh you know we want to talk to you call us yeah. And give you a phone number. And then, you know, they flew, flew us out there. First, they flew me out there. And then they flew me and my partner out there. And um, 
but I also got tons of rejection letters. Yeah. I save them all, you know, like to show like, you know, whoever, my son or another artist, if, you know, somebody needs a mentor or whatever. Like, listen, it's, it's okay. You know, yeah. failure is okay. Yeah. You know, if you don't do it, and that goes back to the original thing. Like, I just, I just did it, you know? Yeah. And ultimately that's what you have to do. Like, <laughs> yeah, you want to be an artist, just be an artist, you know? But you have to follow, you know, like do like those five things that, that we talked about in the perseverance. Um, just never give up. Yeah. So, so tell people where they can find you at. Uh, you can find me online. My name is Adam Walenta, W A L L E N T A dot com. You can find me on Twitter, Adam Walenta, Facebook, uh, whatever the next big thing is. I'm sure if you just type in my name, I will be there. Hopefully, you know, Instagram, uh, all these things. Um, and just go to my website and you could, you could look me up. So, awesome. Well, thanks for joining me today, man. Appreciate it. You could also type in Illus. Yeah, I L L U S. I L U S. Not E S T. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have that much of an ego. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. It's subtle. Yeah, that's something. But yeah, I look do. me up, you know, and uh, say hello, whatever. If you have questions, if you're a young artist out there, feel free to 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 hit me up, connect with me, and uh, I always try to help younger people, you know, give you the best advice I can. So, thanks for listening. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace. listening to super duty tough work subscribe to the podcast on itunes follow the podcast on soundcloud peace shoot i got styles already that's more complex that nobody know about i mean super duty tough work huh?